This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. It's Friday, April the 16th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And final preparations are underway in Windsor, ahead of Prince Philip's funeral tomorrow. The Duke of Edinburgh passed away last week at the age of 99. The service will take place at St George's Chapel in the grounds of Windsor Castle and will be led by the Dean of Windsor with the Archbishop of Canterbury pronouncing the blessing. Throughout his life, the Duke supported hundreds of charities and also founded the Duke of Edinburgh Award Scheme. Harriet McConnell from Maidstone received her Gold Award Certificate in 2017 and has been speaking to Jamie. We did um, canoeing down the River Wye in Wales. Um, so we did a practice expedition first, which I think was just over a weekend. And then the actual thing, um, I think in total was about a week. Um, so it was a bit different because I did also bronze and silver, but they were walking expeditions, whereas this obviously was canoeing. So I think it was really nice just to do something different. What would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your time on the scheme? Um, I'd probably say organisation was one of the biggest things especially with gold you have a lot more freedom um with your route and um when you want to set off and things like that so it gives you a lot of independence within your group how has it helped you you know going into university in future applying for jobs how's that going to help you out being on your cv being able to done all three shows commitment to the scheme i still do things like and uh, now sort of um I'm training for a half marathon and I do like walks and things. So I think it's quite nice to show on your CV that you've picked something up when you were younger and continued that throughout. What do you think of when you think of Prince Philip? I guess it would be the same for anyone's family with like a grandparent. They're kind of someone you always look towards and they've had so much rich life experience. So I guess it's the same as any family really is just quite an important figure he's always been there throughout um and I think that's probably the saddest thing about it I mean he was very old and has had an amazing life but he was probably the backbone of the family and was a very important figure in that and everyone recognizes that it's definitely an important I guess legacy that he has had and will continue to have. Tomorrow's service will get underway at three o'clock after a national minute silence. Ahead of the service, Prince Philip's coffin will be transported to the chapel on a custom-built Land Rover. The Queen will be joined by just 29 mourners due to COVID restrictions. We've also been told the congregation will wear masks, while a small choir of four will sing music chosen by the Duke. In Kent, we're being asked not to leave flowers or gather in public to pay respects to Prince Philip. The County Council have issued the advice ahead of the funeral tomorrow. They say it's to keep people safe while coronavirus restrictions remain in place. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and a damning report into conditions at Napier Barracks in Folkestone, which has been used to house hundreds of asylum seekers, has been made public at a high court hearing. Two watchdogs inspected the site and found serious concerns with safety, communication and coronavirus measures. They've highlighted fundamental failures of leadership and planning by the Home Office, who insist improvements have been made. The judge's ruling in the case has been reserved for a later date. 
Former Maidstone United and England defender Chris Smalling has been robbed at gunpoint at his home in Rome. Police in the Italian capital are investigating after three men forced their way into the house and ordered him to open a safe containing a Rolex, jewellery and around 300 euros. The 31-year-old played for the Kent side from 2006 to 2008 and completed a permanent move from Manchester United to Roma last year. There's been a sudden rise in COVID cases in Canterbury. 43 people tested positive in the week to last Saturday. That's almost double the number from the previous seven days. According to latest figures, Dartford has the highest infection rate in the county right now, with Folkestone and Hythe the lowest. Overall cases, though, are continuing to drop. Don't forget, you can check what the infection rate is in Kent where you live by clicking on our interactive map at kentonline.co.uk and scrolling in to your particular part of the county. Meantime, Kent's health bosses say the county's COVID vaccination programme remains on track despite a fall in the number of jabs being delivered. Around 87% of the most vulnerable residents here had been given at least one dose by April the 6th, but around 120,000 people in the top priority groups are yet to be vaccinated. Thousands of parents across Kent are finding out today which primary school their child will be going to in September. Over 97% have got into at least one of their three choices. 89% got their first. And out of more than 17,000 applications, around 400 children have been allocated a school by the Education Authority. Graham Jones is an educational lawyer at Whitehead Moncton Solicitors in Maidstone. He's got plenty of advice for mums and dads. The important thing to say is the primary um, situation is very different from the secondary. In reception and years one and two, there can only be a maximum of 30 children in a class and you cannot breach that. So if a school is full on oversubscription, you will just not be able to get into it and there's nothing you can do about that. You can you can go on the waiting list, um, but they can't be forced to take children over the the number in the class of 30. If that is not the case, you can appeal. Um, The appeal forms are online. Now, when you get your offer today, my first piece of advice is, if it's not your first choice of school, accept it because you want to make sure that your child does have a place at a school, Uh, but then make some inquiries about that school. Why did you not choose it? Is there a real problem? Because it may well be the school you've been offered will be okay. But you do have problems if the school is full because the school will have their published admission criteria. So just because you go on a waiting list, that doesn't mean the waiting list drops automatically. So if you're 10th on the waiting list, it doesn't mean 10 people will get in before you because they might satisfy um, the uh, criteria, the admission criteria. They might be higher on the list, siblings, distance from the school, etc. Now, if you are going to appeal, you need to get your appeal in, um, I think it's by around the 16th or 17th of May. If you do get your appeal in before then, it will be considered by the 16th of July, so in time for the next school year. The issue is the nature of the appeals. Um, These used to be face-to-face, and this has been changed by the pandemic. They're not anymore. It's a paper application. If you go onto the LEA website, you can click on the link to do the appeal document from there. The schools will sort them out, but you're just putting in a paper appeal. They're considering it on paper and they will get back to you. And this will be down to the criteria because the reason you won't get into the school is 
you might not have a sibling there, you might live too far away. You can look at the schools admission criteria because they'll be published on their website and you will know roughly what chance you will have. But as I say, if they've got 30 in the class and you are further out than that, you will not get in. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. Work on a £230 million housing development in Herne Bay is finally due to get underway after years of delays. The Strode Farm project on the outskirts of town will provide 800 homes as long as full planning permission is given. It'll also include new parkland, allotments and a local centre, with the first properties expected to be completed in 2023. There's anger today after a memorial to a Canterbury teenager who died suddenly was vandalised. Emily Set's friends created a woodland tribute to the 18-year-old after being unable to attend her funeral because of Covid restrictions. Candles were recently smashed and caused a fire at the site in Toddler's Cove. Her mum's described it as thoughtless and cruel. A prolific shoplifter has been banned from certain stores in Darford as well as every single co-op in Kent. Leisha Hodges admitted stealing food from a supermarket in Priory Marketplace. The 32-year-old from Hardy Avenue has also been ordered to seek help for alcohol and drug addiction. A Maidstone man is aiming to create a series of safe outdoor spaces in a bid to tackle loneliness. Now, Mark Allen wants to set up 10 so-called connect benches across the county town where those who are struggling can meet others for a chat. Each bench would also be marked with a plaque and a QR code, which will take you to a website with mental health support services. The 40-year-old needs land to place them on, though, and is calling on businesses to be hosts. He's been speaking to Sophie. Yeah, I think that loneliness definitely needs to be looked at, but it needs to be understood. Um, I've suffered from loneliness when I started my business, and the way that organisations treat people adds to it. You know, being lonely isn't being on your own. It's feeling like nobody cares. That is what the difference is. And that is how I felt. And, you know, when you're sitting, existing and you're getting up every day and you're trying to find that motivation, you're trying to keep going and then you're waiting for someone to call you back or someone says that they're interested in you know, working with you, but then they leave it and then they you know, ghost you and they don't come back to you. You know, all these different things. Like, and I'm talking about, you know, like big organizations you know like councils and things like that because when you're um waiting for like an answer on a grant for example and they say that they're going to be in touch with a certain date that's when you expect to hear and then you're waiting and then you your mind goes it's the way people can treat you treat you throughout that whole period and a lot of people think oh and they're lonely let's invite them around for dinner when they could let's social distance wave let's you know, got put some, you know, whatever on their doorstep. And they think that that's doing their bit. Whereas actually, every person that's lonely is going to be lonely for a different reason. And you have to take into consideration the individual, why they're lonely, where are they at in their mind? Because for me, loneliness affected my mental health in a negative way. You know, so it made me more paranoid. It made me feel as if I wasn't, um, you know, worthy. I'd go to the pub, I'd feel like no one wanted me there. I, you know, but then I'd put the phone down and I'd cry because I wouldn't know when the next time my phone was going to ring. When I started my business on a very impulsive decision, I underestimated loneliness and I underestimated what it's like to not be a part of something and to not, you know, have anybody to 
bounce ideas off and get excited about. Like I had to change everything about my being, you know, because I realised actually I quite like being top of the table. I quite like that pat on the back that I've got into a client that someone else has. And all that just went, everything just went. You know, and you realign your goals. And, you know, I knew it was what I wanted to do. And it's, it's such a journey. But the only way that I got out of the loneliness side is you can't exist. You, you have to make a change. Like, to be aware of it is the most important thing. Because once you're aware of it, you can actually put into place small steps that go towards what is important to you. And I did that so many times. You know, like I went from being the person that went out and, you know, would look forward to talking to the cashier to the person that went to the self-service, didn't want to talk to anybody, you know, and just, uh, it was just a different person. <laughs> like you wouldn't think it now I'm on the phone to you, you really wouldn't. But it's literally been such a journey that I've come out the other side. And that's another reason why I love what I'm doing, because I think I can stand for somebody that actually, I've been made redundant, it's crap you know it starts up so much stuff that people don't even know kent online reports a 200 year old war fort which had been built along the kent coast to protect the british empire from threat of invasion by napoleon has gone on sale martello tower number 25 on romney marsh is one of 27 towers that were built in the early 1800s it's on the market for a cool quarter of a million pounds it's currently owned by nicola deltry and she's been speaking to our colleagues at KMTV. My husband and I were at an auction buying another property and this was on the auction list and we just couldn't resist it. It just seemed like a magical, exciting opportunity to buy a piece of history. We were very lucky Folkestone and Hythe have given us exactly what we asked for in, in terms of planning. So we have permission to turn this amazing building into a four double bedroomed holiday property, all ensuite bathrooms, uh, big television, uh, games room downstairs, and then the pièce de résistance, fully circular, glassed in, rooftop living area with 360 degree views, degree views over this incredible beach and the Romney marshes on the other side. It took quite a long time to get the planning permission and in the meantime I had bought another property which is, is taking up a lot of my time so I haven't really got time to do it um, and it seems irresponsible to sit on it and let it deteriorate anymore so let somebody else have some fun with it. Further down the coastline is tower number 23. John Ruddy has been telling us what it's like to live there. I love it, I don't suppose it's for everybody, I, I, I enjoy it, it's peaceful, uh, the walls are very thick so you don't hear a lot inside there. Um, it's got an ambience which is totally unlike any any other building. Um, you've got to be very, you've got to be fit to get up all those staircases. Um, but it would take something very special for me to move. Reckon Bowman's been on our sister radio station KMFM after teaming up with Pink for his latest single Anywhere Away From Here. He was on breakfast earlier and also told us about his latest album. He spent some time at home with his young son during lockdown but says he's excited to get back on the road for a tour this summer. This whole tour is going to be engineered around this album and, it, and, and it's going to feel like an experience of this album, not only musically, but kind of visually and stuff as well. So I've spent a lot of time thinking about how this show is going to go, um, what we're going to do, how we're going to play it. But it's always all about the music. If you missed the full chat, don't forget you can listen to the whole thing at kmfm.co.uk. And after beer gardens were able to reopen on Monday, Kent Online's secret drinker is back. He's been to the King and Queen in East Morling and North Pole in Wateringbury. 
You can certainly let us know what you think about the £11 he was charged for a glass of wine at one of them by commenting on the story. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham travel to Oxford United in League One this weekend. With just five games of the season to go, the Jills will be hoping they can get closer to the playoff spots. They're currently 10th in the table, six points off the top six. Tomorrow's opponents are up in seventh. Boss Steve Evans says he's incredibly proud of how far his players have come. Said many times, we've got the, the smallest resources in the league. What these boys down the stairs are doing is incredible. They've got us fighting for, for a playoff pack. When I look at some of the clubs around us, you know, we go to we go to Oxford. They're a big spending club. We go to see them on um, on Saturday evening. We, we if we if it is ifs, but if we can go, then I believe we can win. We're level points with Oxford before to go. It's it's incredible. The resources are ones near the top end of the table, and we're at the very bottom. So, but resources don't win your game when that game kicks off at five thirty on on Saturday evening. It's um, heart, desire, commitment, passion has to all be delivered. And then the ability has to come out. And what we've done in recent weeks is we've had all those um, traits delivered except that little bit of quality is not being able to come out the bag. And and that's cost us. So we'll keep walking as hard. The group is dedicated. They're motivated. And we need four or five or five big, big performances. Now, forget that. I still feel we'll get in there. I think if you said to me, now you've got 15 points added to your group, I think we'd be in the playoffs. That's a tall now, kickoff tomorrow has been moved to 5.30 because of Prince Philip's funeral. We'll have reaction to the result on our sister radio station, KMFM, on Sunday. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the IM News app to access all KM Group's newspapers. Straightforward to do. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.